welcome to Convo, a live stream podcast about the intersection of creativity, art, and new technologies. Each month, we bring you two episodes featuring compelling and knowledgeable guests who are at the forefront of these exciting fields. I'm your host, Mark Rodito. Let's dive into this episode. My journey into Web3 began with a curiosity about how to use this emerging technology for cultural and creative means. Through my own personal and collective experiments, I have learned a lot in that regard. But as as I delve deeper into this world, the collective and collaborative nature of Web3 became ever clearer to me. Our friends at MetaLabel calls this creating in multiplayer mode. This led me to DAOs, Um, And for those unfamiliar with this term, DAOs stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. In short, DAOs are groups of people or digital communities that work together toward a common goal by sharing resources and making decisions together, all through the help of Web3. Most of the DAOs that I have been a part of are more focused on the creative side of things, such as creating music and artwork to offer later on as NFTs. In this current landscape, multiple DAOs have proliferated and some sorting protocol developments while others are closer to a social club. This way of forming and working together is nothing new. Co-ops and collectives have operated in a similar fashion for generations prior to ours. Decentralized organizing and democratic groups have been always been thriving outside of Web3. And For me personally, I think it's important to remember that lineage and legacy. Which brings us to today. Multiple DAOs are doing different things. Some even don't call themselves DAOs, but still retain a democratic and decentralized ethos. And despite the current bear market, DAOs and collectives continue to forge ahead, pushing the boundaries of what it means to share resources and do collective work. A long-lasting concept from my Web3 journey is the notion of collective work. How can we enable more of these organizations to proliferate and share their opinions or point of view of the world, whether through a DAO or a digital co-op or maybe even a meta-label? How can we see more groups creating in multiplayer mode? Our special guest for today is someone whom I consider a mentor and helped shape my thinking about all things collective and community. Everyone, please welcome Austin Roby from MetaLabel and Ampled. Austin, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? What's up, fam? Happy to be here on Twitch. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that uh, earlier, about how... um, yeah, there needs to be more Twitch broadcasts for like groups like ours. Yeah, I've been I've been getting into Twitch more. I have a Twitch app installed on my TV. Oh, so, so I can watch like live streams at who, home. Um, who are your favorite streamers? I've been watching uh, Joshua Citarella. Um, yes. There's like no, Meme do, Mondays. I've been watching some of those from Do Not Research, um, right? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I, and, um, I, I need to get in on that. I need to watch an, an episode for sure. 
Yeah, I feel like Twi- Twitch is becoming more a part of my media diet. Mm. It's just more fun. Um, yeah, I so I I encourage the you know song camp to keep going with this. Um, yeah, super cool setup by the way. Just like love, like like the whole the whole setup. It's it's super cool. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, you know. All of this sort of like overlays and the setup, um, definitely Peace Note helped, you know, in that regard. Um, yeah, man. I mean, dude, again, welcome. Um, for people who are not familiar with you or your work or who you are, can you please give us a brief introduction? Yeah. Uh, my name is Austin Roby. I'm a co-founder at MetaLabel. Uh which it builds tools and resources for um, collaboratively releasing work together um, for for cultural collectives um, and other groups that are expressing their own point of view through releasing work together. Before that, I had um, helped start a um, digital cooperative, um, a platform that was owned by workers and um and musicians called ample uh which is just this experiment and seeing if a web platform can be uh collectively run and so it's like this like taking a traditional cooperative model and applying it to the web um just also i mean that was that kind of we started kicking that around in 2000 late 2018 I think like, um, and it felt like, uh, an idea that I think became pretty interesting to think about in 2020 and was my path towards looking at, at web three as like a sandbox for some of these, uh, questions around, you know, the creator economy, collective ownership of, of web platforms, uh, different types of organizational forms. So yeah, and I'm I'm based in New York, and I've uh, been there for 16 years now. Where um, were you originally from? I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas. Oh, and okay. came to I I uh, I came to Brooklyn to study at Pratt Institute, mm. um, studying architecture. Oh shit! So, um, yeah, and at one point I had worked doing fashion design. At one point I had worked. Uh, doing product design. Um, so I've, like, yeah, it, it's been like a very nonlinear path, but I think, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of like, uh, appreciate like multidisciplinary approaches. I think like just like, uh, setting design at like, uh, helps, I think it helps frame interesting, like way to solve problems with constraints and, mm. Um, like more recently, I've just been thinking about that background as like applying that kind of design thinking to like organizational design. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like an under, under looked, um, area for like as a playground. That's, you know, that's one reason why I'm super excited about song camp. Song camp seems like such a like fascinating kind of like bespoke, um, like experiment of, of people coming together and doing things in like very new ways. So mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like 
I'm I'm a fan of Song Camp. I feel like it's helped expand my imagination of what's possible. And so, yeah, I want to just yeah, shout out to everyone that's involved. I'm I'm a, I'm like I I talk about Song Camp all the time. Oh man, that that really warms my heart, dude. And and I think there's a lot in your DNA too that we resonate and maybe share. You know, you you said um, you know you hold that experimental mindset in your projects, right? And then you also said something about um, the nonlinearity and sort of like the multi multidisciplinary approach that you also hold. Um, I didn't know that you 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 came from an architecture slash design background. In my head, I don't know. You know, I, I thought you came from a like a nonprofit <laughs> background. You know. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I guess this is a, maybe a tangential question, uh, maybe a more personal one too. Um, I notice you wear, well, at least in some of the uh, the the podcasts or, or or videos that I saw of you, you wear like band shirts, and and some of those band shirts, like oh, I know this band, you know, this is the band that I used to listen to, like Chromags, for example, you know, um, and, and so I'm curious. What's your subcultural background? Uh, I'm wearing a, a gel, gel shirt. It's gel. Gel, um, okay. I'm not familiar yeah. with them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just like like band shirts. I try to get them at shows. Um, I, I'm i like more personally inclined to um, like hardcore and punk, like definitely more oriented towards guitar music. Uh, I have like a... I have a desire to discover and get more into electronic music. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hear stuff that I like a lot. I just don't, I feel like I, I don't have like any kind of foundational understanding of like how to navigate what to find was cool. So I need like a electronic music Sherba or something. Cause I, <laughs> I, I want to like expand a bit more, but I think, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm more drawn to like hardcore and and punk for the most part. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because like there seems to be a pattern with, or at least in this season of guests that I've uh, that came on the podcast, like Databots is one who was really involved in like the Boston like hardcore scene, and then Darby who is involved with the the like Seattle DIY punk scene, and so so it's kind of it's kind of cool uh, to sort of. Peace note like also. Peace note yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but but yeah, man, that that's really cool. And also electronic music. I mean, you know, I have uh, El Ariel on the chats. Um, you should look their music up on Spotify. It's got an eighties vibe to it, uh, and then Gradient too. Much more. Maybe I would say. Uh, how do I describe your music, Sarmad? But more, more, more of like um, mellow, sort of like down. At least the the songs that I've heard of him is like more down tempo. But you know, okay. let me know. Let me know what you want to hear. Um, I I might have some recommendations for you. Yeah, I I asked my friend Sean for some recommendations like last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in, I'm in Berlin now, and I met up with um, uh, Mikhail from Boiler Room. Oh heck yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so. Uh, he gave me a bunch of recommendations for shows, mm. so I might, I, yeah, I might might take a chance and go go see something here. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, dude, 
since you're in Berlin, um, and maybe there's like a bucket list of mine um, for a long time. I want to go to I want to go to a, a proper Berlin rave. You know, one that sort of like lasts for like 24 hours. You know, um, but but yeah, that's on my bucket list. But since you're there, dude, there, that, that, there's a lot of like cool shit going on in Berlin for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go to one for like two hours. For two hours. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. 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 After two hours, you need to uh, sit down and then sort of like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, dude, it sounded like you, you've been maybe are very much like connected or in the know with a lot of like the subcultural maybe like scenes maybe in your youth maybe now i wonder how that sort of also informed your thinking in terms about in terms of like thinking about collectivity collective work you know um yeah yeah is that something that sort yeah. of informed your thinking or or, or i don't really? think i'm more informed than the next person like i i do feel shaped by uh just the um like living in Brooklyn in the like late aughts, mm. early tens, there was um, a lot of DIY activity going on. A lot of DIY venues, a lot of DIY shows. So I'd feel like um, that, that energy, I just have always felt inspired by mm. like even like, you know, regardless of what kind of music, it is just people that don't care, like don't need anyone's permission to set, set up uh, an ephemeral venue, um, you know, set up, set up a show in the basement of a, a bodega or yeah. something like that. Like, there was always just like whack-a-mole of, of venues popping up and getting shut down. And yeah, I don't think there were like a tremendous number of, like great bands that came from that era. This is like slightly after, say, like the Strokes, slightly after her Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, mm. maybe. Like there was like that, that like early aughts era, but the, like the late aughts era in New York, there was just like a lot of DIY energy in Brooklyn specifically. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I just felt super inspired by that. That was basically just what you know, we would do, um, like friends in college mm -hmm. going out. It's where I met a lot of the, you know, the friends that I have today. Some of my best friends I met on MySpace mm -hmm. back in the MySpace, day. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, I was like, uh, yeah, it was just inspiring being, um, you know, being like in proximity to all that. And so I, I, I do feel like that maybe like is a part of my like personal time of just being there that I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Mm, yeah. I mean, dude, it, I, I feel like that's something that, um, I, at least like some folks, um, who are within our circle sort of share, you know, like, some of us came from like, like DIY scenes. Some of us came from like art circles and art scenes and all that stuff where there's a specific way of doing right. You touched on like, DIY, you know, do it yourself. Um, there's an evolution of that called DIT to do it together, you know, um, where it's like we use the resources that are available to us. Um, here's what we're into and here's how we're sharing it to the world, you know. Um, and, and, you know, 
and whether that's a release or a show, everyone's just happy that they're breaking even. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, mm-hmm. which sort of like maybe dovetails towards like because I feel like meta label shares that too. You know, in terms of like having a perspective of the world, you know, having an opinion and then sharing it through releases. And so maybe for people who are not familiar with meta label, like what is a meta label, you know, both in concept and also like as it stands right now, as you being part or, you know, of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a meta label is something that has existed for a long time. I think we're aiming to, um, give give name to something that it has existed before i would mm-hmm. say it's a group of people that um come together and release work together to um in in support of a cultural point of view it's like mm-hmm. a group that more has like a cultural bottom line rather than um say like a financial bottom line um and you know like groups that fit this form you know, could go all the way back to say like the Royal Society um, in London, just like a scientific metal label. Basically, you know, it's creating zines, right? That like challenged the idea of natural knowledge and promoted the ideas that ended up, you know, bringing in the enlightenment um, to, you know, groups like Gorilla Girls, who are an activist art group that formed to um, to have greater, more equitable representation in the art world for women, um, which, you know, staged protests and um, created posters and flyers. So I think of, you know, we're not a, a music specific project. It's important to note that. So our, our idea of like, um, say, releases, is expansive thinking that at least just as a poster could be released, just as a zine could be released when making the interest of music. Um, and and what we are doing in, in Capital M Metal Label is building tools and infrastructure for uh, existing groups to use and release work together, um, and as well for new groups to form together and, and release work. Mm, mm. Dude, I love that. I love that. And, and I also like um, how you are also tying it to groups that existed before Meta Label with a capital M, you know? Um, I really like the approach of like tying it to a certain lineage or a legacy. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And then maybe to to reiterate what a beta label is, like I, I have here uh, something that I pulled off from the website. Um, a meta label is a release club where groups of people who share the same interests drop and support work together. It's a lightweight structure that creates economic, emotional, and creative alignment between collaborators. Um, the creator economy is a single player mode. Every creator competing against everyone else for followers and attention. A meta label is creativity in multiplayer mode, groups of people pulling skills, audiences, resources in support of a larger creative vision or purpose. And and, and, and I think when you said that, yes, we are pulling our resources together, 
you know, as a meta label and release and release joint work together. Um, we are also creating a platform for other meta labels to actually release their own work. And one of them um, is our collaboration between Songcamp and Meta Label, um, amongst other collaborations that are also on the pipeline, where Meta Label provided this their platform, their infrastructure for us to actually release an art print and tickets to the show. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I just think that it's, it's yeah. a really cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Songcamp is a Meta Label. Right. Like Songcamp exemplifies this just like as I think as much as you can. Um, like the idea of creators that I think, you know, largely probably are as solo practices. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, coming together, joining their kind of resources, audiences, reach efforts to creating something that's greater than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super inspiring. Um, so, and I think that's why, why people are excited about song camp. Cause it feels like a, you can imagine what, what is the song camp for newsletter writers? Mm. Like what is, um, what is the song camp version for podcasters? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. uh, so, yeah, I I think creating tools um, and and allowing people to to join together just like you all have mm-hmm. um, feels like it's there's a it's a timely moment for that where the kind of current creator economy has felt very isolating mm-hmm. and individualistic, and we do feel like we're competing with each other mm-hmm. for attention, uh, for, for views, for likes. And like, none of this is compatible with the way that any creative practice actually should function. So I think the way that the song camp is, is kind of creating their own world mm. is super cool. Yeah. Um, so th- th- a different approach, a different approach to, to being a creative person online is really like the big, picture right mm-hmm. um like thinking about work in terms of collaborative drop rather than kind of everyone on their solo treadmill mm-hmm. is i think um i think where it's a constructive place where um where the a future kind of creator economy could go yes yes absolutely and i think it reminds me of, you know, other projects from our peers, you know, um, like Channel, for example. I believe I'm get I believe I'm getting that right. Listen. I was just saying that it reminds me of this project Channel. Um, you know, with Matt Tryhurst, uh who else is on there? New Melt models. They pulled their resources and made this project such that, you know, they could they could pull their audiences their resources, and then offer that as a sort of like, here, here's all of us joining together. And to me, that's powerful, you know, Um, and expands their reach also. And especially because I I would like to think also that the audiences, there's already overlap in in both concept and thought 
in opinions, you know. Um, so it makes sense to actually sort of pull resources and and yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, channel super cool. A super cool concept of um yeah tools for podcasters i think specifically to to work together and uh to have this kind of like inter- intermediary free version of membership and patronage just mm. super exciting so i would put like the ideas behind channel up there with song camp is like these are the things that get me excited or allow me to see like cool potentials and opportunities within web three. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree, dude. Um, so we're, we're talk- we talked about channel. I wonder if there, from your point of view, other meta labels out in the wild. And, and if so, um, what are their attributes? Like what, what do they share? You know? Um, yeah, we have, uh, I'll, like a growing list of ones on our website. If if you click uh, on Meta Label to XYZ Magazine and then Spotted, we highlight all these different groups that exemplify a kind of Meta Label form that we've spotted mm-hmm. in the wild. Um, so, what are some of these? I think like you know, not purely Web three focus, but I think like. Water and Music is a great one of people coming together to release these collaborative music reports. Um, you know, I mentioned um, Gorilla Girls as well um, and Royal Society. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, I think we have like over 30 groups that we've identified in in some way as like exemplifying this form. And the thing that would tie them together is like, um, there is a, there is a common purpose, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a purpose that brings these groups together and, and are expressing these views through drops, through mm-hmm. releases and releases again, could be viewed through the lens of like any form of media. Um, but the, the releases are kind of what pushes this, this cultural point of view. Uh, and. And yeah, and each one of these groups kind of has their own rules of participation, how they work together. That is the most flexible part, right? But I think mm-hmm. having having this like um this worldview to express and doing that through uh releases is how we define what what is like a common uh, attribute that meta labels would share. Mm, yeah, yeah. You you mentioned releases and you mentioned drops and you know and all of these are like shared like collectively and just like putting out into the world as like one identity. Um, on the meta label side, you have this thing called records, you know, which at least from from how I'm understanding it is a release, you know. Um, I'll I'll read a pulled quote from um, from the article reinventing the record. Um, in almost every creative and cultural medium, physical formats with a clear, tangible value have been replaced with digital experiences that obfuscate paying for things directly, ultimately devaluing creative work. The modern digital experience is too convenient and powerful for these changes to roll back, but the struggles of creative people trying to make ends meet under this new regime aren't going away either. What we need now is a new and compelling form of exchange between creators and audiences. 
Do you want to add more to that? Yeah. You know, we are introducing this, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a, a play uh, since Meta Label is like thinking about uh, creative work through like abstracting what a label is and what a label does, right? Of yeah. like supporting the, the kind of like creation and distribution of creative work, like bringing on talent and like curating this like this uh, kind of like coherent aesthetic point of view, right? Mm -hmm. And and what do metal labels do? They release records. A record is like, um, you know, thinking of it as like a, a format that that um, that does uh, run like like uh, is anchored on chain, like using Web three Rails. And it's uh, thinking of a record as like one a recording of a work's existence, mm. right? Um, and two is like a, a container of of media. So like a record itself, like ha is a flexible format. So you could think of like yeah, like a record, just like an album would have like many forms of media mm. on it. Mm. Um, thinking about collecting. Um, yeah, like telling a story through a collection of curated media, um, as a record. And so like, uh, an example of this, we helped Gitcoin release this record celebrating quadratic funding mm -hmm. recently. And that felt exciting to, to see this format as like a way to celebrate a concept or an idea. And Gitcoin used this record. There's several media within it. There's like a, a re-release of an original quadratic funding white paper co-authored by Zoe Hitzig and Glenn Weil and Vitalik Buterin. And as well as a poem about quadratic funding. This is something that Gitcoin um, uses for their like uh, grant matching pools. And... And then just like a kind of like updated um, like commentary from Kevin Iwaki, another mm -hmm. co-founder of Gitcoin. So all of this, this media together is like in this package and the package is celebrating this concept. It's celebrating this idea. So, um, you know, we're helping groups release all kinds of, of, of work through this record format. So we're excited to see what, like what direction people go with it. But I really like this kind of Gitcoin example that, that was released recently. If like, this is a format to celebrate an idea. Um, you can, and, and, you know, Gitcoin had used a, a funding split to fund, uh, grant matching pools and the plurality, plurality Institute. And so I think it's like also just interesting just as SongCamp has done to like use a kind of payment split to also help tell a story. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like another reason to support something. Yeah. Yeah. I love, dude, you know, it's uh, the thing that comes to mind is like taking on that label, maybe analogy um, reissues. It's, to me, it's like a reissue, you know, but now with like mm -hmm. on 180 gram vinyl colored, you know what I'm saying? Like with, with this signature from the artist, you know what I'm saying? Like that to me is what the quadratic funding drop felt like, 
you know. Right. And it's really yeah, cool. Yeah. It's like reissuing something that's like born digital, like something that's yes. internet native. And that was yes. like a, like, um, yeah, like celebrating a piece of internet history in a way. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And, you know, these releases are part of the, I think what Meta Label calls a quality drop, you know. Is is there a um, what's the thinking behind the qual- a quality drop and what is a quality drop? Well, <laughs> I mean, so um, we we the Gitcoin was the first release that we had helped another group release through us. Um, Song Camp and Catalog was number two. This is part of uh, an initiative we're calling Quality Drops. Um, uh, I think, I think it's like, uh, we often, uh, hear, uh, things in these like seasonal containers, like season one, season two. Um, I think for this, it's like quality drops are like, uh, it's a container for us. It's a way it's like, uh, these are, these are kind of releases that we are handpicking that we are co-producing. Mm-hmm. So like before, before tooling becomes kind of public and open, it's really just curating cool meta labels with cool stories to tell that are, mm-hmm. that are using, um, uh, this like record format in an interesting way and yeah. And, and working with them. So like, like, kind of being, uh, you know, we've, we've actually kind of even thought of our roles as A and R of like finding, finding cool groups and yeah. And, and working with them so that, um, a project or release is successful. Yeah. When I remember when we were working on the latest quality drop release, um, it was it was just an idea, you know. I think that that was also hot off the heels of the recent quadratic funding drop. And I remember in our in our DMs, um, I believe you brought up that idea, or I, I don't remember now who who brought up the idea. It's like, yeah, let's release it, you know. And to me, something really clicked there because like the work of of a label really is to sort of like contextualize a release. Um, along with all, all the the admin work too, but 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 it 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 puts it in a certain context, and and I think to me, that's what personally from my point of view, that's what the collaboration looked like. You know, um, yes, we have this drop or 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 this release, you know, coming, but then Meta Label offered a certain uh a container for it of sorts, a way of presenting it, a way of contextualizing this release along with others. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was also, I mean, it was also something that you did with catalog, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, I think if given a, um, a convenient, cool way to do collaborations like that, um, I feel like, I feel like that could be useful for groups. Um, and, and yeah, so like thinking about a song camp releasing with catalog, you know, like 
think about any solo creators that just joined together, say like for one release. Um, that's also that's also cool. So yeah, I I I see this as like a way for almost any group to form a release club, mm. right? To to like have a like a means of of releasing work in collaborative ways. And also like um like a collaboration garden too. I love like, that. Like you want to work with another group to drop something cool, like form a meta label to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. And yeah, I mean, n- now looking back at our, you know, collaboration, um, it, there's a lot that, that goes on behind it too. Um, and I'm pretty sure when you were working with Gitcoin also on the recent drop, there there was a lot of like, you know, like behind the scenes coordination work that, that goes in there. Oh, where are the assets? How do we, how do we frame this? How do we put language in mm-hmm. this, you know? And it's both thrilling and chaotic at the same time, too. I don't know if you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, isn't, I think any, like, cool creative project where the stakes feel high enough mm-hmm. are, it's chaos. It's chaos. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, I'm just reminded of, like, well, the chaos project, but but also, like, whenever we do releases in song camp and um, there, there's always that element of chaos of like, yes, there is one half of it is like, yes, we, there is a plan. We know what to do, but then there's another, another half that's just like feels very emergent and feels very much like, you know, there are some moments where it's, we, well, I personally feel like we're, we'll build, we're building a plane like in midair sort of thing, um, <laughs> which I mean, you can argue that that is also the creative process, but, but yeah, I, 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 I guess where, where I'm at right now is that I've embraced that as this part of working collaborative, collaboratively together, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that I love about song camp so much is like the, like the creative approach to not only songwriting, but the means of distribution and just completely new ways of coming together, like creating your own rules, your own world, your own platform. Like that's, that's super creative. And, and um, yeah, yeah. I think like these kinds of like smaller experiments that are very bespoke, um, just incredible. And, and also song camp is also, like very geared towards this drop mentality. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's like, there's, uh, yeah. Drops, you know, like a release could be a songwriting camp. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Chaos, uh, that was the third drop from song camp. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah. Um, super cool. I feel like I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I have I appreciate you talking about it all the time. Um, and you know, same for Meta Label too. Whenever, whenever um, I get asked, you know, from like other creative circles, oh, what's a good example of like a co- collective project? Oh, check out what Meta Label is doing. You know.
um, going back to uh, drops and releases, um, late last year, um, Meta Label released a zine called After the Creator Economy, which you are now sort of like doing a, 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 a tour of sorts, a speaking tour of mm-hmm. sorts, you know? Um, can you tell us about that project? I, I have my copy around here somewhere, but, you know. Um, yeah, I, I have one here. I have this. Oh, there this you go. Here. Yeah. It, it was a zine, and then it kind of became book length. Almost. So it's like, it's formatted like a zine, but it ended up getting so big that I was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was um, like, we are as a group, as capital M Meta Label, we are also operating in this kind of drop format. Mm-hmm. So this was our sixth release, like our sixth kind of native release. So first one was an essay. Second one was um, like a one, like a, a standalone web app. Um third one was a, a cohort where uh called assembly where cultural collectives would uh you know would meet and kind of like uh in in yeah kind of like this this cohort co-learning co- I, I was part of that i i love i really enjoyed my time there yeah yeah that was that was great i really love that too um and yeah we also uh had a release that was a um, like our own kind of publishing platform, uh, that we have on MetaLabel called public record and, mm. and then, uh, a discord app as well yes. as people tweet together called chorus. And so this book was number six and this was the first one that we released as a, a record that people could, um, collect and claim a physical version. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I I love this um, zine project of after the creator economy because it's um, it looks beautiful. I have to you know give a shout out to Ilya who designed it as part of Meta Label. And one, it was a very collaborative project. The the contents of the zine like um, hint at where we should go with kind of in the next version of a creative ecosystem uh, that is um, you know that is more beneficial that is more collaborative that is more democratic it's more fair that uh preserves um you know, that uh that em- empowers content creators mm-hmm. and and then i i felt like it was like a, a cool rich drop because the way that we release it as a record helped kind of demonstrate some of those uh ideas um uh, mm-hmm. like through like you know not only writing about it but helping demonstrate some some different alternatives for ways of creating and producing, distributing, monetizing mm. creative work online. And so I'm in Berlin now. Uh, we just kind of presented it at a, a trust in Berlin. Um, it was labeled a book launch, but it's the book sold out in one day, and that was in December. So. It's not actually a book launch. It's more of like a celebration and presentation of it. And uh, we'll be doing another one in um, uh, on Tuesday at, at, uh, in London mm-hmm. at Protein. So it'll be me from MetaLabel and Severin um, from Comatter, uh, who is like a, a, a partner with us on this drop. 
Wow. Yeah. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I love when you said that um, the after the Creator Economy Project was demonstrating how to work together and then also publishing and presenting it also together, which feels very meta. You know, it's like you're showing it how it's done. You know what I'm saying? You're showing yeah. it how it's done. Like, like the process is is collaborative. And then also the mode of release was also collaborative. Um, and so that's really cool. I yeah, think we had this, uh, mm -hmm. we, we had um, a, a split contract made for this that had uh, a recoup model. So, you know, printing all the, the copies of the zine took some upfront money, uh, about like $3,000. And so there was like a, a waterfall that recouped um, that amount that was paid for the actual production and then split among 30 plus contributors, um, people that helped in big ways and small and even people that um, just had quotes pulled from them. So it was like a way to kind of just like acknowledge kind of lineage of thought in some ways. Um, so... So yeah, um, so the f the funding got distributed to to all the people that that helped create it, and I, I, like that is something that I think was definitely inspired by um, the Chaos Project. Mm, wow, wow, that's yeah, that's humbling to hear. Yeah, 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 and then also yeah, definitely um, flattering. Um, yeah, dude, that that's that's really cool. Um, are there any maybe key like takeaways from you on your end? You know, from that project, you know, from the zine itself, or maybe from the content of it. That's sort of like, oh yeah, you know, I think I think this is it, sort of thing. There's you know, there's many takeaways. I think one of the the takeaways that felt the most like fresh and timely and urgent. Um, is, you know, we highlighted several concepts. There's Kyle Chica talked about algorithmic anxiety. Some of the like emotional burdens that we feel creating work online. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the takeaways and focus of the book are really not, it's not like a quantitative report. It's like, how does it feel mm. to be a creative person online? Um, and, um, and where do we go from here? I think one of the like technical um, drawbacks of the the current kind of creator economy and platform landscape was this idea of platform risk, mm -hmm. which we interviewed Matt Dryhurst about. That feels like a very interesting takeaway to me from that, of thinking about that as like a more serious challenge of, you know, putting work onto platforms that could just disappear yes. or that could change ownership or that could just change policy um, that could be mismanaged that could um, you know what happens to our work um, you know we kind of like trust the platforms will be around but we see now that like you know content on Vine doesn't exist anymore Right. Um, uh, over a decade of music on MySpace was just erased. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, I 
try to find music that I made in high school on pure volume. Oh, pure volume. And that's gone. It's like now um, like a clickbait farm. Uh, so there, and, and, you know, if you're on Twitter, you probably like have been thinking this could be gone at any second. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it does feel like a question of thinking about how can we be resilient against this platform risk, right? Um, especially for content that is uh, digital native, like maybe without any analog counterpart. So it feels like this kind of precarious, fragile thing that we often don't consider. Mm. And I, you know, I think like our, our, our view of maybe one of the key uh, use cases for anything crypto related is actually just putting media on chain, mm. just, uh, having archiving, preserving media, um, putting it on this kind of public distributed computer may not be the full solution, but I think does help protect media um, in some sense from, from platform risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when man, when, when you were sharing about, you know, platform risk, um, certainly that's something that I, I also think about too, you know, what happens to this like body of work that we're uploading into say a platform. Right. And, you know, what comes, what, what came to mind for me was, um, you know, the, the recent news with Spotify, I don't know what feature it is, but I think the TLDR there is that it's going to operate a little more like TikTok where it's just, you know, you, you have like little mm-hmm. bits of the song. It's not exactly platform risk, but to me, it's like, because we rely so much in this sort of like platform that we are almost at, you know, yeah, dude, like we're under their control in terms of like, oh, we're going to roll out this feature whether you like it or not, you know, sort of thing. And when I found that news, I found myself, I guess my, my initial reaction was like that of like, well, annoyance, frustration, anger, you know, and sort of like, you know, like the, the, the musicians who are actually providing content for this app have no say at all. You know, with all these like feature feature releases, you know, would it help them? Maybe, you know, but I don't know, man. Like, like it's it's really well. There's there's two there's two sides to that. Like okay. that, the the platform risk on like the technical media side would be like yeah, ways to preserve it so that um, you're not reliant on pure volume, right? To like be like a you know a custodian of some like body of anthropological cultural work. Um, <laughs> but then that's also the other question of co-ownership and co-governance and co-determination and having some say in governance. Like I always like have felt like some of the, the kind of um, demands of like union of musicians and allied workers towards Spotify to to raise the streaming payments mm-hmm. like to a penny just haven't really gone anywhere. Mm. And I think it may risk just like accepting the premise of the streaming model itself. Um, and instead should be asking for um, governance rights, like mm. pressuring investors for a seat on the board, um, 
like an, an ownership trust within Spotify or, you know, Bandcamp was sold to Epic Games. So I think, I think like that's a level of platform risk too. Mm. You have no idea what now, now independent music is basically as a whole trusting kind of like something that feels so important that it should be a utility uh, to the company that makes Fortnite. Mm. Like, so how do we protect that? I think like, I think we have to just get better at asking it for the right things. Um, like, you know, and when Bandcamp was doing Bandcamp Fridays, I think instead of all rejoicing, we should have like maybe um, worked to hold Bandcamp accountable. Yeah. 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 I agree. You know, th that Bandcamp uh, example, um, well, at least to me, the way that I perceive Bandcamp, it was like the last bastion of of independent music, right? And for a long time, they they held that, you know, um, and 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 that's probably why a lot of people love purchasing through Bandcamp. But man, when I when I saw in my email that the Bandcamp email, uh, and then the email name switching to Bandcamp, an epic uh, company. <laughs> It's corny as hell, um, but 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 it's like oh shit, like at end of end of an era, end of an era, dude. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for sure. Yeah. But but, it, just, but uh, the workers yeah. just unionized there, which is interesting. I'm curious to see yes, what happens there. I, I've seen that too. Are you are you in the know mm -hmm. of like what's going on with with that whole no. unionizing? Okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see how that goes. Um, yeah. Um, maybe there's a good segue too, because we're talking about platforms. We're talking about, you know, music, you know, we're talking about supporting artists and, and having a seat at the table. Um, you are part of Ample, you know, and if, if I could just like read a, a brief, maybe uh, overview of what Ample is. Ample mm -hmm. is a patient-like platform for musicians owned by its artists and workers. Ample allows artists to be directly supported by their community without intermediaries or gatekeepers and is collectively owned by its artists and workers. And so it's a great project. Um, yeah. I'm curious, like what are the origins of it and what sort of like is the vision, you know, of it, you know, in its mm -hmm. inception. Yeah. I mean, the, the origin was, it started from something as simple as asking a question with friends of, Oh, Patreon seems like an interesting model. Uh, it seems nominally better than existing patronage models mm -hmm. um, in that it can give you predictable recurring income, which is like, that is important. That is something that's like often completely missing. Yes. And can we make something that doesn't get people nerd chills like Patreon does and something that's just specifically for musicians? Um and in that it really would like turn into almost like a research project of how to make something mm -hmm. that that is um that can be trusted that doesn't just rely on uh goodwill is like has like a trust built into its structure yes and that led to ideas of co-ownership uh, co shared ownership that led to research of cooperatives and then becoming a a, a co-op and so what that means is one member, one share, one vote. There's no investor ownership of Ampled at all. Mm. Um, it's um, 
you know, artists that get 10 supporters can become an artist owner and anyone working, uh, you know, across the globe, there's people from that had been, you know, that had worked at Spotify or Patreon or Kickstarter. Um, so if someone contributes for 40 hours and they can become a worker owner, we have bylaws that explain all the, you know, rights and responsibilities, the, the kind of like financial rights, the, the, the governance rights of, of each kind of membership class, um, with cartoons, there's cartoons in the bylaws too. They're like made to be very readable. And I think the, the project, um, the, the goal of it kind of shifted over time because it, um, you know, there is the, the goal of like, uh, driving, driving, you know, meaningful, life-changing money, whatever, you know, that's different for everybody, uh, to artists, but, but then also just, it kind of became a way that can just inspire people and expand imagination of just like what a creative ecosystem or online creative ecosystem can look like. Mm. Um, like you start to imagine, um, what would a cooperative version of X platform mm. look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, so we're ample is based in this like platform cooperative movement, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's several other groups like Stocksy is based in Vancouver. They're a um, stock photography platform that's owned collectively by the photographers. There is drivers cooperative in New York, which is like a Uber alternative owned by drivers. And so the bigger idea is actually just rethink like thinking about rewiring our entire economy, mm. <laughs> like t- towards, towards worker ownership and, and, um, and orienting our relationship to the services that we use and rely on so that we, the, the, you know, the organizations and tools that we actually provide value to mm-hmm. that, um, that we can capture that. It's not extracted from us. We're not exploited. So we can, we can protect ourselves from that. We can capture the upside, you know, like Patreon worth, I don't know how much it's worth, but a lot, I think mm-hmm. like a, maybe a billion or more. Um, what's that worth without the creators? Of course there's value in that that's being generated by the, by the creators or what's the value of Spotify without any like musicians as stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of value that's being generated. Say like, you know, even when you post photos on Instagram, like without people doing that the platform wouldn't be worth anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, rethinking like us as users, as content generators, as, as people that are providing the value of capturing that. So that's a bigger idea. And I think that like the, the, the real goal is like, really, can we just move Overton's window a bit? Can we just make, make a dent in, in what people view as possible? And I think that, you know, if, if a project like that can inspire hundreds or thousands of people to maybe make the next business that incorporates some of these ideas and has more kind of like downstream effects, I think like just thinking of us as like one stepping stone as like one kind of precedent that can get us towards like a more fair or more equitable um, creative economy, 
is is like where I would see this like being successful. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's like I love it when you said um, it's setting a precedent. It's showing how it could be, you know, in the future, and hoping also that others could actually take inspiration from it and apply it to like other maybe domains or expressions. Um, <laughs> I'm curious about, you know, because you mentioned, you know, this being say a business um, and typically businesses have their investors. And so how does that look like in a co-op setting? You know, um, where does the resources come from? Um, are the members actually pulling their resources together to bootstrap this thing? Like, what does it look like? I mean, I don't think Ample has figured this out because we have always just felt so under-resourced. Mm-hmm. But um, what we did do is create our own fundraising terms um, using uh, revenue-based financing. Okay. So that's debt instead of selling equity, which is to say um, purchasing a um, like a tiny fraction of top line revenue, um, which would get paid back until the investor receives 3x on their investment, mm-hmm. which could take as long. I mean, it could take a really long time. Um, and then and then after that, the obligation's over. So. So it's kind of like a different relationship to to an investment of something that like, well, you'll get paid back some, mm. right? It won't be a kind of moonshot, like rocket, like a hundred x return, but um, but it's also like very friendly to uh, a company that's older selling equity mm. and um. And like, because it's like a, a percentage um, of, of revenue rather than say like debt with interest, um, it can be more friendly. Uh, so we did, we did um, some revenue-based financing from friends and supporters in the project. And then as well, like kind of treated labor as an investment. Uh, we have a, um, a model that again kind of led me to explore web three, mm. which was a time bank. So like time banking mm-hmm. is it's like an old it's like used in kind of like solidarity networks. I feel like in like anarchist networks a lot of times of like it's a way for 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 people to log kind of like time given to something and you can exchange time as well so like every single every single week everyone working on the project got a prompt um to enter a self-report how many hours they had put in and once you got to a certain amount of hours then you're eligible to become a worker owner and so we have this log of hours since the beginning of the project of every single person has contributed to it how many hours they put in and the idea um is well if ample becomes um like financially successful then we could maybe do instead of share buybacks or stock buybacks we do time buybacks mm-hmm. so like the time that you put in you can get like the company the, the co-op can buy back the hours that you had invested early on mm-hmm. that was like you know i had to get creative 
like and i think like these problems are not really solved on how to capitalize cooperatives and so this this again feels like um something that yeah like really just looking for for like any model that can help like a creative project that is not financially optimized exist and be better resource i think is is something to say yes to and so and that feels like like a key interest to me now because i don't want cool projects to just die on the vine um and um or or feel like they're kind of like forced to uh adopt like a financially optimized um kind of path forward um so yeah i mean ask someone how to start and fund a cooperative and no one will give you an answer right there's almost like no rule book especially when it comes to platforms which are really expensive and like tough to to create and like really hard to bootstrap yeah yeah have you have you seen so with your with your experience running co-ops have you seen any DAO models or playbooks out in the wild that sort of that could maybe help that in terms of like resourcing um while also maintaining a sense of like ownership and I guess responsibility to the members. Um is that something that in your journey sort of like, oh, I think that could be a good model that be that can be applied or or not really? I think I've seen a lot of interesting like parts of projects. Mm-hmm. Um like different elements to take from different groups. Um Friends with Benefits is interesting. I think any group that treats um like an NFT is like a vote or membership, like, like you start to hint at those same concepts. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's, there's something interesting. I mean, the the only thing that really defines a cooperative is one member, one vote. Mm. Like that is like the defining characteristic of it. And so I see a lot of projects that actually do adopt models like that. So I do find that kind of inherently interesting. Mm. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I think for the Chaos Project too, we sort of adopted that same model um, in terms of our governance process. You know, even though we hold, even though the Chaos tokens may differ from each member, their allocations. When we're making a decision, it's it's one member, one vote. Um, and okay. it certainly has uh, a lot of benefits to it. You know, and also challenges as well, you know, and I, and I wonder from your perspective, um, were there any challenges like say running a cooperative, uh, a, a platform cooperative? Like w- what are those? And yes. w- what are, what's on top of mind in terms of that? Um, like easy answer funding is like number one. I think it's like, you know, it's tough to rely on like, sustained bootstrapping of labor that's that's difficult to to maintain long term um so yeah i mean i think that's like the some of the the top ones i mean it also was just a challenge kind of like like you said of building the airplane like while you're in the air Mm. of like it's hard enough to to kind of like create like something that people want to use Mm. right but like having to feel the pressure of also rewriting the rules at the same time as you're looking to build something is is a challenge to like 
you know, I think in order to do anything outside of the box, you have to like learn a lot about corporate law and like a lot of information about how fundraising works. And it's like, you have to learn the rules in order to bend them. And I think that's like just true across the board. It's not just about like a starting a co-op. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a challenge. Um, I think it's a challenge that like presents a lot of cool creative opportunities, right? That's like, right. I think part of, part of the cool thing about song camp and, um, and the various jobs is like you like as a group kind of like, like understanding a suite of tools and what's possible and then putting them together in unique ways that help serve like the collective interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, dude. I, th- I think, I think that's a, uh, um, that's a great observation. And I think I see it in our other peers too, or neighboring communities and collectives where here's an idea, here's a tool. How can we sort of like shape this tool into something that would benefit us and our members? Um, and I find that, you know, speaking from the song camp side, there are projects or drops that we feel like, oh, that was great as an experiment. But later on, we find like, oh, this is not optimal for what we want to do. Okay. And so I think going back to releases and drops, I feel like that format of experimentation per drop is hopefully a good way to actually find something that truly works, you know? Um, but who yeah, knows? Yeah, I think, I yeah. mean, Song Camp is like, what's been cool to follow along is, I think each drop that Song Camp has done become more and more ambitious and more and more honed in. And it like, as it, um, you know, I feel like everything that Song Camp does is promoting like a more imaginative and collaborative way of producing music. And, um, and, and novel ways of distributing and, and kind of like value capture Mm. and like the, right. It seems like every single drop from the last three has gotten more ambitious. It's like better articulated what, what the purpose of song camp is and more people are interested in it. So I just like, yeah, I mean like, what's it going to be like by the fifth or sixth? Mm. drop you know it's uh like i would imagine that there's like room to do some really big things at that point Mm -hmm. yeah totally and i think the collectives that we're a part of are also learning organizations it's almost like also we're we're part experimenters but also part research group too where where it's like you know, with, with research, you're, you're, you're searching for, for answers. And also a part of that research is also to apply it, to actually see for yourself, is this truly working? Is this experiment working? Sometimes it does work. Sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, and, 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 and that's okay, you know, um, which I think is also something that we were talking about too, you know, be, before we recorded this podcast. It's like, yeah, we see these things as experiments um, rather than here's here here's what it is. Here it is, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. They're just like... Yeah, I think like, you know, like, yeah, I think that's like, again, I just keep talking about Song Camp, but I think like that's the, the beautiful thing about 
like what song camp is, is done. It's like, it's an experiment and it might not work. Right. I'm sure that's like the approach, like this might not work. Um, you know, like if I think about a 77 person band, there's a lot of ways that could not work. Um, like, you know, people would be like, well, there's no way you could actually do that. Produce music that quickly. Uh, have it be good quality that people would care enough about it. And I think like it proved all of that wrong. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, um, yeah, it's like, it's brave. It takes guts to do that. And it is like, um, it is an experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that, you know, I think that really is very encouraging. Um, yeah, man. Um, so, you know, we've known each other for maybe more than a year now, perhaps, you know, I'm following your work through various publications and also we've been members of DAOs too, both of us, you know, uh, I remember when you had the dinner dinner DAO project, um, and I believe your your role there was more of a a community sort of like growth sort of like role. Um, and I just really admired like how I guess there's this lineage or there's this through line um, from all these projects that you've been involved with that is community centered and community focused or collect. You know, there's a sense of collectivity. You know, um, and so yeah, do like in in the, in this when 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 I was preparing for for the show, um, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I believe it was the CMX podcast or or, or something, um, where you said community is the product. You know, um, and I think I don't remember what the context is, but. I find myself getting curious, like, okay, what does that look like in practice if the community is the product? Mm. Maybe I have evolved my views since then. Mm. <laughs> um, well, well share, share with me your updated views. Yeah. Okay. So I think that when people say community is the product, and I don't recall the context from that, I feel like that's, um, you know, you think of like FWB, as like, you know, it, it is a community, the community, it's the network, right? Yes. Um, so there's, there is value to like this kind of like shared, uh, camaraderie, shared like space, shared interactions. But I think there's, uh, beyond the, like, I, I feel like the community needs to actually pr- produce work. Mm. Um, and, and so like, I'm, I think that the output of a community is probably where most of the value ends up coming from rather than just there being a community. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that's like what Meta Label Hint said is like a focus on releases. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is like maybe a personal view, but less, less excited about groups that talk about vibes. Um, like, yeah, I'm not necessarily anti vibes, although that would be a fun position to take, (laughs) but, uh, um, but yeah, like song camp is held together by doing stuff by like creating the songwriting camps, like just as much as, as like, you know, like people bond together because like, you know, I think the best friendships are made through like working on a creative project together. And that's, that's probably what actually holds song camp together or like any kind of creative group. 
A thousand percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you do shit together, definitely um, that's a bonding moment because it's also, especially in creative context, right? Where, so say for example, music, it's vulnerable, dude. Like if we are, if you and I were collaborating on music and I share with you my idea of how this sounds like, and you're like, no, hell no, dude. No, no, no. You know, it's sort of like, oh shit. Okay. You know, it's vulnerable. And I think that sense of vulnerability actually binds folks together. Um, and that, mm-hmm. the, that back and forth, right. That dance when you're, when you're actually mm-hmm. making something together, um, it, it's truly something that, um, yeah, again, it, it binds us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, speaking yeah. of, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say about, um, yeah, dinner Dow was like this thing that I, uh, what I like, um, kind of just started as like a test of just Dow tools that isn't. I don't think dinner Dow is active anymore, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think like, I think, uh, everybody wants to eat dinner, but nobody wants to run a Dow. This is what <laughs> I learned. Um, yeah. it was like a, it was a fun experiment, uh, and met some really great friends through that, but it's yeah. like, um, yeah, I think the like common thread is just like, it just, it's, um, yeah, these kinds of like cultural or social applications of just like, having fun, not taking it too seriously, uh, is something that I've just been attracted to. Um, but yeah, dinner, Dow, it's not something that I really even talk about, but it's like, it was like, a, it was a fun, fun experiment. Right. Um, sort of like several chapters throughout different cities and that was part of the LA. Um, and yeah. And a lot yeah. of people made like became friends through that. Um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I, I I have to check if it's still active. I don't even really check I mean, the that, Discord anymore. The, the ROI of that now are the friends we made along the way. That that's that's definitely <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um speaking of DAOs, uh you know, I, I heard you got thoughts. I, I heard you got, <laughs> I, I got I have it saved here too also on, on my Twitter about, you know, your opinions on the nouns DAO model. Um and you know, on, on the, you know, multiple tweets, you you were sort of like poking at like, is this truly it? You know, especially in the context of creative work, you know, or creative joint work, you know, um, is this truly it? And so, yeah, I wonder if you could maybe expound more about the, your thoughts on, on the nounce DAO model, how it's helpful, how it's not, you know, and yeah. I wonder if there are any potential maybe solutions or, 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 or feature sets that could be like helpful for that model. Yeah. Well, just, you know, disclaimer, <laughs> like personal views. I'm just asking questions. Um, I think it's like a nuanced thing. It's also like a question of how many people actually care about this debate. Um, something that I'm not even really sure of. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a distinction. Um, you know, I, I like uh, nouns doubt didn't necessarily speak to me um, very much, but I, you know, like dug in to learn more. I know that a lot of people are very fascinated by it and mm. and see it as like a, a model with like much bigger potential. Um, and I agree with all that. It's it is super interesting. There's a distinction between nouns down, like mm. the original, like main one the nouns protocol and what's possible is using that. 
Mm. Um, and noun-ish DAOs, which are like the, the baby DAOs that are that are using, you know, this this logic. And um I guess what I would say is that, you know, just like just like the defining feature of a co-op is one member, one vote. It's interesting because like nouns is also one member, one vote. But mm-hmm. the thing that defines nouns is uh, the auction mechanism. Like it's very opinionated about um, um, purchasing a membership through uh, an auction. Mm. And I think like there's nothing wrong with these explorations in crypto of like, like you can design any kind of organizational system right and like these can be fun experiments and that's like there's nothing wrong with that that's like oftentimes like super cool and inspiring just to see what people do my my question or doubts are are like people taking that model and and extrapolating and saying this is the ideal form factor for cultural production Mm. that's where i uh, disagree um and I think that auction mechanic doesn't work um, for groups that have like a, a cultural point of view at the center of what they're doing. Um, it, to me, it feels like a method for treasury creation rather than a cultural creation. And those are not the same things. Um, and, and so here's the nuance though, is like using the nouns protocol, you, you, you can make super interesting um, kind of like multi-stakeholder groups. And I think like, you know, I think of, uh, Ambold has besides artist owners and worker owners, a stakeholder class called community members. And those are people that support the platform through the community page for $3 a month or more. Mm. So like, I've always seen this as important to allow people to support a project with money if they want and giving those people like governance say, Um, because I think that's like actually like an important voice, um, people that want to support this thing, they might not be a musician, right? They might not have time to, to commit to the project, but they want to support it. And I kind of see the value of NASDAQ as like creating one of those kinds of financial stakeholders within existing organizations that already have ways to participate outside of, um, just money. Right. But it like, like um, so my, my like critique or questions are just like, you know, yes, interesting model, um, simple, which is like pretty, pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have questions about it being a model for cultural production because of, uh, the kind of reliance on the, uh, the financial option. I see that as like a, a filter that doesn't necessarily work for cultural production. Um, and I see it as really good for building treasuries potentially like as it stands now. Um, but not as good for developing like a, a membership logic that actually reflects the, the realities of kind of the different kinds of stakeholders that exist mm. within cultural projects. Right. So if you ha- you couldn't make a song camp, based on people buying their way into, to the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but maybe there's a way that, um, 
like a noun using a nouns protocol could allow like financial supporters to like start to participate um in this model so i don't think that the the model is necessarily bad mm-hmm. uh, i don't think nouns dow is bad i think it's interesting um but i do disagree that it's just like allowing people to buy in and then have a say um based on having the most money does not feel like the ideal form factor for cultural production. Mm, yeah. And it's been surprising to me that um, I don't feel like that's like a controversial take. It's just like from the research I did, I was like, oh, that's just what stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of people like DM me that they agree with this. I just found it kind of interesting that very few people have like uh, even articulated a counter position to it. And that's the, but kind of like the only reason why I said anything. Mm. was because I just kind of like saw this like gap of this, this absence of people even having any other position on it. Yeah. 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 Does that make sense? It it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think the new ones there are maybe like the takeaway for me is like, um, because I was also like, watching and observing like nouns down model you know some of my peers are fans of it you know um but then one thing that was unclear to me was like is this good for like creative uh production you know creative cultural slash cultural production you know um and that was unknown to me until you actually sort of like pointed that pointed it out or asked questions in your tweet you know um Mm -hmm. and so so yeah, hearing you expound on that and add more nuance to it, I, I think is is truly very helpful. You know, um, yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, like, yeah, I I support groups that get creative with the model. So I don't want to um, imply that like like I I view um, nouns Dow is inherently bad. I think like I think it just deserves maybe like an extra level of like you know. Uh, like adding adding an extra kind of like a uh, thought to like the membership logic that, mm-hmm. that can exist within this kind of group. Um, so I think I think there's there's ways to to situate the nouns down logic perfectly well within like a a group that is largely like based around cultural production. Yes. Um, but over reliance on the the auction mechanism i think like does more damage than good yeah yeah context is important you know in in, in these tools and obviously you know the tools available to us are not a panacea you know it's like it doesn't cover all i think to me personally i think it's on us to actually test and experiment with these tools if truly it works for our purposes and if not you know that's okay you know um yeah i there is like um maybe a conflation sometimes with again, like building a treasury and building culture. Like mm. I've, you know, I just asked myself, like would people put novels in a cartoon or, or, you know, or on a shirt if there wasn't like a large financial bounty of like a freelancer working to propagate a meme. Um, so yeah, I just like, is that, is that culture? Or is that like a gig economy? I like I'm not sure um, how it, and and maybe I just don't understand 
the model or kind of like the original group as much. But um, from my like outsider perspective, like I just don't, I don't see as much of that intrinsic um, um, like motivation to propagate the meme. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it does seem kind of like a project that is like um, based around financial incentives. Um, I, you know, these views are weakly held. I could be swayed by, by like uh, an argument the other way. And I don't even really like, um, think about it so much. I just like, these are just like the questions that I ask myself. And I think it's worth asking that cause I just didn't see a lot of, um, people, um, thinking, thinking that much about, I just saw a lot of people wanting to adopt the model kind of like without, um, that much. Yeah. Like critique of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. I think it has, that's healthy and necessary, you know, um, for, for our tools to evolve too, you know, critique is important. Um, and also like, I also, I also appreciate that you, you also hold these, these ideas or these opinions lightly as well, you know? Um, yeah. Let's switch to um, lightning round. Um, this has been very much a, uh, you know, a, just a packed episode. You know, there's a lot of like, you know, just just hearing you talk about meta label and ample. Your, you know, your experiences with DAOs and co-ops. Um, but first, before we go to the lightning round, I wonder if there are any questions in the chat. Um, oh. Just scrolling up here, uh, I see that Sir Maud had a question. Can we start a Spotify DAO, like Constitution DAO, except it's to make Spotify cool again? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be billions, though. Billions in, 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 in funding to actually get that started, buying them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did. Like, um, I wrote an article in 2020 about, um, like, more... Um, are ways to explore collective ownership of Spotify mm. and like some practical baby steps of ways of, of ways to achieve that of like ownership trust or even just having um, like proxy artists seats on, on a board of directors. Um, ah. So I think there are, there are ways to, I think practically achieve some kind of influence over Spotify, but no DAO is going to be able to buy out yeah. Spotify worth tens of billions of dollars. Yeah. But we can try. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like more fun than Constitution DAO. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, cool. Um, let's switch to lightning round. Um, you can answer these. These questions are not really like lightning round. You are free to answer them for as long as you want. Um, <laughs> but, but, but here it is. Um, paint a picture of what the future looks like. In a lightning round? Um, let's see. Um, I, I'd like to see um, a future with more collaborative um, like creators joining together in kind of like every discipline. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see, I'd love to see uh, just like a, a, a culture um, trending towards more collectivism rather than individualism. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, 
What are you currently spinning? Um, gel. 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 The shirt that I have on. Um, uh, there, I think, are three singles from an upcoming album, and they're so good. Um, yeah, so I'd recommend gel. Um, super good, hardcore. And there's this really good video, uh, like a Hate Five Six, uh, like live concert video of them playing in a Sonic in New Jersey, like outside, um, like a Sonic drive-in. Uh huh. So I like just watch that video, and then you'll see why they're amazing. Sick gel, G L, right? I'm gonna look mm-hmm. that up. Very nice. Um, what's something that brought you joy recently? Um. Well, I'm in, I'm in Berlin now. I took like a really long walk today. Um, I got a coffee and took a long walk and explored a neighborhood that I've never been in. Mm. Like, yeah, that's just like the best, the best way to spend a morning. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds very calming and also almost like an adventure, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Especially yeah. at a, at a place where you're not familiar with. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, knowing what you know now, what you, what will you tell your younger self? Um, man, that's cheating. It's like, <laughs> um, be like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I like would not want to relive my twenties at all. <laughs> that that was too hard. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think I think like uh, learn to code. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Um, I don't know. I wouldn't give my, I think I would just like say it's okay. It's going to be okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Um, here's the last question. Um, well, maybe to give you context, the, uh, the theme overarching theme of this podcast is 21st century creativity. Um, and you know, we define it in different ways, but in your own words, what does 21st century creativity look like? Well, I know this is a lightning round, but um, I think of like, I think we're at a shift, like a generational shift away from neoliberal individualism. And I'm excited to see that as like the next, I think it'll take like decades or even like a century to unlearn some of these practices. Um, so, you know, like in 2020 or 2019, so a few years ago, um, the, the, the Turner prize, um, like a prestigious art award in the UK was, was shortlisted, shortlisted all collectives for the first time mm. in its history. And that to, to me feels like a shift, like the beginning of a shift, um, towards like thinking about creativity and arts practices mm. differently. Um, something that like, you know, I, when you think about like the, the kind of like artistic creative heroes of the last century, like they're all individual people's names. And I'd like for the next century to be like less of this myth of the lone heroic genius and more mm. of like a, more of thinking about groups of people that did stuff together. Um, yeah. So like in, in many forms, I just think like a shift away from this individualism is like what I would like to see like mm. in the next century. It's going to take a lot of just like 
learn, like unlearning, rethinking cultural values. And, um, I think I'm like largely optimistic, but see, see some of these things taking a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well put, well put. Dude, what's on the horizon for you? What's coming up? Um, anything that you want to promote or, or share to our audience? I would say look out on Wednesday for another metal label drop. Oh, shoot. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Dang, dude. Um, on Tuesday, I'll be uh, in London presenting the After the Creator Economy book. So um, if you're interested in that, like DM me or just email me, austin at metalable.xyz. And uh, it's at Protein. Or just show up. I think it's only for members, but... Like if you've made it this far through this Twitch stream, then you deserve a spot. So <laughs> like, just let me know. Um, yeah. So th those are the two things I, I would shout out. Um, and then you just, I, yeah, sign up for the, the metal label newsletter. Um, also um, collect one of the, the thong camp open editions on metal label right now too. That, that I think those are still available. So like collect one of those. Yeah, they're still available. I think minting closes at on Sunday, I believe. Um, it's mm -hmm. at songcamp.metalabel.app. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where can people follow you on Twitter? I know that you're at AustinRoby underscore, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say Twitter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that's the only place I think. Okay, sick. There's no, there's no newsletter. There's no stack. So just Twitter is fine. Yeah, keeping it simple. Yeah, for sure. Austin, dude, I know that it's like past midnight where you're at right now. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you coming in as a guest, um, and also as a friend. You know, um, I certainly learned a lot from you, um, and certainly hit you up if I have anything that I am thinking about. Um, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge, your insight on things and your experience. Um, and so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for just, uh, the invite, you know, again, talk a lot about how much I appreciate and am inspired by song camp and I'm looking forward to meeting in person, I guess next month. Yes. Yes. NFT NYC. Let's go. Awesome. Cool. Well, that's it for today. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who tuned in in the chats. Um, this has been a wonderful conversation and I will see you guys on the internet. Peace out, everyone. See y'all. Yo, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it to a friend. Massive thanks to Peace Note for the wonderful artwork, the SongCamp community for their unwavering support. This podcast is a SongCamp production, hosted, edited, and produced by me, Mark Adito. Live conversations happen every first and third Fridays of the month, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.com songcamp. Follow SongCamp on Twitter for updates about Convo and upcoming episodes. Until next time, peace.